0: Um, do you have uh, the next uh, thing, Sue? I don't have that. Dennis says iPad here. I mean, in that—just before we go on—in that video, right? What parts of the video were kind of hard to watch? Or just kind of like, uh, like what? What did you see there? Because I I, again, I just don't want to talk to you. I want to talk with you. But what? What, um, what did you see? What, what parts were kind of like? Were hard to like, you know, watch, if there were any. Yeah, the, the craziness. Right? Isn't that life, it, in the, even in the physical and the spiritual sense, doesn't life feel like that around that still statue, right? Who is like being still, right? You know, you see the whole world. And weren't there times where it was like the video was just kind of very unclear and it's just like you just wish that the, the camera person would just kind of like make it easier for you to see? But then did you notice at the end, everything got into clarity and you could see like the light bulb was going on. It was, it was just kind of like makes you dizzy. But many of us have a hard time today of learning how to uh, be still. In fact, I love this beautiful, peaceful, serene. I never use keynote, but that was the one thing I saw right away. So I figured I'd put it up there. But um, the main theme here, so if you could, you know, we as Christians, we perform a lot. We live in a performance-based society, right? Ever since going to school, oh, let me see your report card. Oh, three A's, two, you know. But um, we perform. And I think even in the church, we, we perform too much. All right? We're all about what we do, what we do, how we behave. But in reality, I think God cares more about, I think, what's in our heart. We'll talk with that, but stop performing and, and rest, being still, right? In this 21st in this century here, right, 21st century Western civilization, that, that word rest there, when we think of rest, I think most of us burnt out, you know, Americans think we just want to go home and take a nap, right? That's physical rest. But also, rest comes in many forms. There's emotional, right? There's, you know, spiritual. But this rest, it's all all encompassing here. There's something about rest that, you know, what we long for so much. Doesn't the word rest sound nice? But isn't it so hard to do and so hard to get sometimes? It is. One man challenged another to an all-day wood chopping contest. The challenger worked really hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. The other man, though, had a leisurely lunch, and he took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and quite annoyed to find that the other guy had chopped a whole heck of a lot more wood than he did. "'I don't get it,' he said. "'Every time I checked, you were, taking a, you were, you were resting, and yet you ended up chopping more wood than I did.'" "'Well, but you didn't notice,' said the winning woodsman, "'that I was, every time I sat down the rest, I was actually sharpening my axe, "'Right?' And, you know, a lot of times, you know, our spiritual, physical acts needs to be sharpened, and we don't really take care of that. Every now and then, go away. Somebody once said, every now and then, go away. Have a little relaxation. For when you come back to your work, your judgment will be surer, right? Since to remain constantly at work will cause you to lose power of judgment. How I many of you can say, like, yeah, I'm guilty of that, Right. Go some distance away, because then the work appears smaller, and more of it can be taken at an, in at a glance, and lack of harmony or proportion is more readily seen. How many of you realize after, wow, my life is really out of balance, right? These are the words, actually, of Leonardo da Vinci. He said that, and he was no idler. Okay, he excelled as a painter, a sculptor, a poet, architect, engineer, city planner, scientist, inventor, inventor. Anatomist, he was a military genius, and by the way, he also was a philosopher too. He did all those things. Everybody knows who Leonardo da Vinci was, but da Vinci himself said, "You know what? You gotta take time to take care of you. Gotta rest." Okay, let's. Um, we're gonna take a look at a little scripture here, all right. And if you want to go in your Bibles, you can, all right. But we're gonna look in the context of Hebrews chapter four, um, verse, uh, verse nine. And, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, practicing what you preach. And uh, where's the Facebook live camera? Is it right there? So you can say hi to Dennis. And, hey, you can't, I can say anything I want, and you can't do anything about it. No. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: One time, actually, Dennis actually left something on his desk. And he said, oh, hang on, church. I'll be right back. And then, like, he said, Tim, why don't you tell some jokes? Well, and, like, he says, actually, no, don't, because I want people to stay, not leave. I was like, thanks, Dennis. Um, remember that day? He's, he's, he's like, he's so mean. Anyhow, see, I could pick on him. He's not here. But I did ask him. <laughs> Sorry, I get carried away here. I did ask him once. You know, this whole practicing what you preach thing. Does that apply to substitute teachers as well? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Great. So, anyhow, um, Hebrews chapter four, and verse nine. Right. It says there. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Right. I guess that's us, right? For all who have entered into God's rest, have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Right. So let us do our best to enter that rest. And I read that, and it's like, okay, you know, they're talking about, they're talking about the, the the verses before. We're talking about the Israelites, you know, when you know, God got them out of Egypt, and the Egyptians chased them, right? Then the Red Sea closes on them, they drowned, and God saved his people. And they were supposed to enter that land of rest in, what, 11 and a half days, but it took how many years? Like 40, Right? So, and you read about that in Joshua, whatever, and they're all scouting out. I mean, what should have taken, an 11, what should have taken 11 and a half days because the Israelites complained, oh, God, you know, it's like we, have like we have hundreds more pages in the Bible of great Bible stories to read and learn lessons from, right? But um, it just struck me like a nerve, like right here, this last sentence really, really rings a bell here. So let us do our best. How many of you are parents in the room here? Right? How many of you parents always encourage your kids to do their best? Whatever they do, it's like, you know, like, I don't care how good you do, but just, you know, do it, for, do it from your heart. Just please, just do your best. Right? And again, we, that's how this performance based you know, mentality gets bred within us from early on. All right? But can we go to the next one? So, please. So, the King James Version, I got to hit it again. I never do PowerPoint stuff, but um, I just try, I kind of play with the animations, I thought I would have the power, but, so, I, I'm sorry, no, not, 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 yeah, just stop it for now, that's good, the King James verse, I mean, like, that's like the official, like, a lot of people go back to the King James, all right, look at what's written in yellow here, let us, what's that L word right there, labor, now, I don't know how many of you with OCD are bothered by the old English with the U, but whatever, I put that in there, it's funny, in my work today, I work with people from the UK and they spell behavior with the O-U-R. It's really weird. Like kind of this the ancient English that like, doesn't change, but it's cool. Let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest. How many of you in this room like the word labor? Does it have like doesn't have a lot of appeal, does it? How many are like, I'm gonna labor? It's like, how many of you are like, sign me up, baby? Right? Is that no? But what does it say? Look, let us labor. Labor to what? Oh, other verses, let me, let me show you something here. Don't go, don't go on, though. But I, I actually looked that same verse up in other translations. You ever go to Bible Gateway? It's pretty cool. You can look up any verse in any translation and get, like, what used to take hours worth of going through the Strong's Concordance, which is, like, thousands of pages. Right? Um, one version says, let us labor. And one version says, let's give due diligence. Make every effort. And uh, one version says, hey, let's be zealous and exert ourselves. Exert ourselves. Exert ourselves to what? Rest? <laughs> it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Exert yourself to rest? That's weird, right? Um, let us labor. Let's make every effort. Every effort. One version says, let's do our best. Do our best. Use diligence. Be diligent. One version says, let us hasten. Hasten. The T silent, right? I think. Let us try as hard as we can. One of the kids' versions says, let us try as hard as we can to enter into that rest. Let's make every effort to enter that rest. And a couple other versions say strive, strive. But I think we get the common idea here. It's very simple. Now, I, again, if you get nothing else out of this message, I want you to pay attention to the next minute, then you can go back and go to sleep. But please, pay attention to this next... Sue, can you hit it, hit it just one more time? I was on, oh, actually, keep going. Yep. Uh, one more. Let us labor. Okay, stop right there. Okay, go ahead. Hit it. Sorry. <laughs> there is a website called uh, Blue Letter Bible, and it's basically the concordances and the commentaries all in one. It's free. You can, look, you can do a Bible study. Just, you know, take one scripture, dissect it in the Greek, New Testament, Hebrew, Old. But this is what blew my mind. Look at this. Let us labor occurs, what does that number say? Once, in the entire Bible. The Bible does not say, let us labor and strive to be more like Jesus. It doesn't say, let us labor and strive to be a better person. It doesn't say, let us labor and strive uh, to do the fruits of the Spirit. Because if you, look at the first, if you look at the fruits of the Spirit in Corinthians, it says the Spirit works that out in you, not you performing yourself doing it, because that's backwards thinking. Hmm. But only in, the Bible, only in the Bible, it only says to labor once. What do you have to work your butt off at? Trying to rest. Isn't that, isn't that cool? The Bible, the Bible does not say strive to be like Jesus. It says strive to rest. Because in that moment of rest, we're, we're, and again, I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying behavior goes out the window. It's important to, you know, do what you, do, do. we have to do. But I think many of us Christ followers, we miss the heart of the message here. It The says, Bible says strive to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to what? Amen. Rest. But how many of us to enter into that rest? And to re- right, so, right, so we have to literally make deliberate choices. Now, what that looks like for you, that's not for me to say, because I'm not going to go up here and say what, you know, what I can do better to enter into that rest on a daily, maybe several daily basis. A lot of what I do, for example, a lot of what I do for a living now relies on social media. So when I get up in the morning, a personal decision that I make, this stays off until I'm, mostly until I'm up, the kids are up, breakfast, and then I want my time, I need to connect with God. And then after all that's said and done, because mornings I get up and I'm like, it's like, up here it's like scrambled eggs already. You ever have that? Am I the only one? You get what I'm saying, right? But I haven't taken time to rest. And that's just me in my personal life. Now, some people can work the night shift, all right? And maybe that time of rest is after the, day, the night's over, got the morning, ah, oh, beautiful sunrise, and just hang out by the lake and do nothing and not perform but to just be, right? Again, if you get nothing else out of this, get this. The only time in Scripture it says we got to strive to do something is to rest, nothing else. Let that sink in your heart. Because a lot of us, we've grown up, some of us have grown up in church world, and, we, and I know I did. We grew up in thinking like, well, you know, you, you know do your best for God. And you send And yes, all these intentions are good. We, yes, I want my kids to be well-behaved, as any parent in here does. I want my kids to have good behavior. I want, but again, we fo- when we focus more on the behavior and not what's really in the heart, right, we become pharisaical performers. If you think about it, we do. That's a big ouch for some of us to hear, I think. Right? But it's, it's the truth. And this is, this is stuff that I've been discovering in my walk. I don't have this perfected. I never, I never will have this perfected. I'm always going to struggle to strive to rest. I mean, like, th- there's a physical sense, right? Like, my wife can fall asleep on command. I wish I had the gift. But any of you, I mean, you have spouses that, like, you just can't sleep? I can never sleep on airplanes. But you have a spouse that could just, as soon as they sit down, they're out. You know? It's like, how do you do that? You know? I wish I could. That's just not me. I'm not wired that way. But... I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of Christians try to do a lot of different say a lot of different I'm you know what January first rolls around oh I'm gonna put my performance hat on now right I'm I'm gonna read I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna read the Bible in a year I mean I'm sure some of and again I'm not knocking that but I tried that years ago but that's just not for me because you know what, by the time January 9th rolled around oh I'm supposed to be on Genesis 38 and Matthew what oh crap I'm on I'm on Genesis two okay and then and it's like whatever. How many of you tried that and just like, yep, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> not going to do it, right? But some people can do it. But again, quality versus quantity. Again, that's something for you to go, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to strive to be more like Jesus. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to eat healthier. How many of you said to God, in, hey, God, I, never again am I going to, you fill in the blank, right? We've all had those moments. But then the next day, <laughs> who are you fooling, you know? And what happens after that? We end, up ha- we end up hating on ourselves because of that. Because, well, we don't perform to what we wanted to do. But what, in terms about performance, what does Scripture say? What do we have to work at? Not doing any of those things. We have to work at resting. And how many of us can say that we struggle? How many of us can raise our hand? Do we? How many of us all struggle to rest in this room? Mentally, physically, spiritually, we do bad at that. And you know what? And God knows it. And God knows he would screw up with that one so much that he actually etched out one of those places on the stones Moses brought down from Sinai about keeping the Sabbath holy. Like God felt it so imperative. Yes, okay, God created the work. God created the world in, seven, uh, in six days and he rested on the seventh. But I'm thinking, yeah, it's an example. But then I, I, as a kid, I always thought to myself, well, how much work does it take for God to say something? You know, and it comes out that to me, that's not work. The talk is not work. Just ask my wife, right? So, but, and then, but it's like, well, God took a break from, but the point is, it's that that, that commandment is not because it's, it's for us. Biologically, we need a day of physical rest. No, like nothing work related, right? So, you know, on social media, I used to engage, you know, like when I heard Dennis's sermon on the Sabbath, you know, whatever. And again, I made a I made a decision to kind of change my. It's, it's not really a it's not really an, a behavior decision. It's more of a heart decision that you know, in terms of like if if I choose to disengage from my regular line of work on social media one day a week, I can think better when I go back to it maybe tomorrow and. There are some times I come here to church, it's like my cell phone stays at home. And it's like, because sometimes dentists be up here and I'd be like, you know, it's like, but that's just a decision I had to make. I'm not saying that's a decision you got to make. But everybody, every one of us in our lives at some point can think, what can I do to strive to enter that rest? Some of it's common sense. I mean, parents of young kids, I understand. The kids are in bed, and finally, they get to binge watch Netflix, some the kids to catch up on, right? And then you realize it's 1230 uh, a.m. Oh, shoot, it's only Monday night, <clears throat> you know? <laughs> and then the kids are up at five-something. Why did I do that? You know, and it's like, well, that's, did I strive to rest then? Probably not, you know, but you know what? God doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because of who he is. Because I'm a child. And that's, where, that's what I have to remind myself in my heart all the time. Is that I'm not going to be perfect. Yes, I'm going I'm to strive to do one thing and rest. And rest. I'm gonna, this is going to make sense. We're going to continue. Can we hit the next slide, please? Okay. Now, one of the amplified, you know how the amplified is very verbose? The yellow, make every effort to enter that rest. Can we keep going? Just one or two? Okay, now, Psalm 62 says, I am at rest. Where? In God alone. Okay, we, one more. And, what, and this one here, same thing, but only in God do I find rest. So, interestingly enough, and in fact, if you read Psalm 62, this, this scripture is actually said twice. It's in verse 1, and it's also in verse 5, too. So the, the psalmist, I think it might, I think it was David, but it could have been somebody else. But whoever wrote Psalm 62 felt it imperative to tell the reader and to remind himself or herself that, you know what? I'm at rest only in God. And it's there twice. And that's, and that's not there twice by accident. Right? Next slide. So, strive, right? We don't like that word strive because it means we've got to work at something. But striving to rest seems like it's pretty cool. One more. Okay, let us strive to rest. Let's put on our thinking cap here. This is the only, this is the only lot of brain work we're going to do here. I need to strive to rest. Only thing I got to try to do is, but I'm at rest in God alone. One more. Okay, don't hit it again. What's the implication? I got to strive, I got to work hard at trying to rest. I got to work hard at resting. But, and I'm at rest in in God alone. So, what's, what's the logical connection if I eat, then I'm happy. If I'm happy, then I'll smile. means if I eat, then eventually I'm going to smile, right? See, like, you know, A implies B, B implies C. Sorry to bring the math in there, but it's like, if, if I'm happy, then I'll smile. Or if, I'm hap- if I eat, then I'm happy. If I'm happy, then I'll smile. Oh, that means if Tim eats, he's going to smile. So let's do the same logical connection here. i got to strive to rest, but I'm at rest in God alone. Therefore, what's the conclusion? Strive to be... Say it louder. With God alone. There you go. Strive to be with God alone. But, and when you're with God alone, a lot of us think from, you know, I don't know how long we've been following Christ in this journey here, but when we strive to be with God alone, right, we think, okay, got to have everything perfect and quiet, sit my butt down here, and then we go here, And then we start doing like the performance with the words, right? God, uh, thank you for this day. And we end up, it's like, and then we feel like, wow, it's like my words are just hitting heavens. There's like a brick wall where my words are going. You ever felt that way? You kind of pray and it's like bouncing back at you. I know I have, but what do you do when you're with God alone? trust him. Be still. What's that? We have two ears and one mouth. But how many of us do we either, A, make the time to, make the time to be with God alone, not, not to say, I'm going to spend time with God now, because as soon as you see it that way, I'm going to spend my time with God, check in the box, you're performing. Okay, n- n- don't perform. B, right? I want to be with my maker. I want to be because in, in mornings I'm able to do that, because honestly, parents of young kids, you know, when your kids are up at 6 something in the morning, that means if you want to spend time with God alone in the morning, you've got to get up maybe 40 something minutes earlier than that. It's hard. That's discipline. i got to strive. to. If I want to strive to do that, I might have to go to bed earlier. I might have to make some different choices. But when I, but when, when I don't choose to do it, I'm not going to hate on myself and beat myself up. I'm going, to, I'm going to say maybe like, you know, during lunchtime, you know what, my wife and my kids are out at lunchtime, i have to like, you know what, shut everything off and just go drive over to Camp Sloper and just kind of sit by the lake for a half hour and just be. There have been times I've spent with God, I don't say anything. Don't say anything. And just shut up and listen. You get so much more out of that. Because as soon as you like think, oh, did I pray for this? Did I pray for you know? And again, I'm I'm not stepping on any. uh, Please uh, don't please don't judge my heart in in saying this. When I'm when I'm saying about what I'm about to say, is not to like step on people's toes. But some of some of us have been in situations where someone's in need of prayer, and we all go lay hands on a person, and it's just like, well, there are certain times where it's like. And again, I'm not judging, but we feel like Mm -hmm. I got to say something. I got to pray. But, you know, Dave Miners, when he was up there once, he said, you know, Romans 5 says, we don't even know how the heck we got to pray, but who the spirit prays for us on our behalf. And so if I'm sitting there just being still, I'll think of somebody like, wow, like their life is just a living. And then God, you know, you the in is just, just exhale. I just, I, I, in my heart, I'm lifting that person up to God. And God knows exactly what that person or someone needs. And that is good enough. I don't have to articulate every single detail. God knows the details better than I do. You know, this whole performance mentality, I think of the whole WWJD thing and the bracelets in the 90s, right? What would Jesus do? Of course, I always thought it meant we want jelly donuts. But, you know, what, you know, but the thing is, what would Jesus do? Again, but I'm sorry, but, you know, I'll never, God's ways, Isaiah says something like, what, my ways aren't your ways. So who in the world am I to think that I could even put myself in the mind of God to think what Jesus would do in a situation? That's not for me to say right? Yes. I mean, like, but, but the thing is, it's like, you know, what, what Jesus did, what Jesus did, it's like our mindset compared to God's mindset is like, and this is probably a terrible analogy. We have the mindset of an amoeba and God is like Stephen Hawking's intelligence times a million. You know what I mean? It's like, it, 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 it doesn't compare, you know, but what would Jesus do? Isn't that focusing on actions more than what's in our heart? right? Oh, you shouldn't be uh, you a know, good Christians shouldn't be good Christians shouldn't be, you know, we should should we should we should on people, but we're we're living out of our head and we're not living out of our heart. We got to live out of our heart. Cuz that's that's the the whole thing. You know? Um you know, in terms of wrestling, it's interesting. King David, you know, he, King Saul was chasing hunting him down like a madman, trying to kill him for about what 13 or 14 years, but when he was on the when he was on the run, right? He said in one of the Psalms, I I lay down and I slept. I slept like a baby. And I'm thinking, wow, if King David could sleep like a baby, like 14 hours straight, you know, and when he has men hunting him down left and right, and there's no cell phones with, like, you know, pick up a thing where I can go here. There's nothing. But yet we go to bed at night thinking, oh, that text she sent me. oh And and we, we we have a hangnail with this text thing, what people think of us. I mean, how many, of, I've been like, how many of you kind of, like, go to sleep, like, restless? Oh, what do they think of me? What do they, you know? You don't have to raise your hand, but we've all, we've all been there, you know? But King David, people are hunting and trying to kill him, but he sleeps like a baby, and we have a text that we upset somebody on text so we can't go to sleep because what do they think? Just saying, right? Um, I love the story of the prodigal son. Uh, we hear about that a lot. But even still, actually, can we go to the next slide? Please? Yeah, strive to be with God alone, right? Next one. All right, we all know this story. I'm not going to read it word for word, right? Martha's a workaholic. She's, you know, I've, there's been so many sermons that have been preached on this one piece of scripture here, right? And Mary, right? Martha's doing all the work. She gets upset. Jesus, tell my sister come and help me, will you? And look at this here. Her, uh, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. I looked up that word "sat" in the Greek, whatever, and all it really means, just kind of, just kind of sit next to, it, sit beside, put your arm around tell me what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like, you know, when Mary's so into what Jesus is like, just say, like, just, just talk to me. What's going on? Like, I want to know more about you. Like, it's like all the mess and all the chaos around her, it didn't, didn't matter. It didn't even exist because she knew, she knew how to rest despite the chaos. So we got a prayer meal for Jesus and 1400 people that are coming. I don't know. You get what I'm saying? Um, but the other, the other thing I love so much is the story of the prodigal son. Now, a quick paraphrase of it, two two brothers, right, growing up, and one one son says, younger son, hey, Dad, give me my share of the money. I want it now. Father's like, all right, probably poor choice, but here you go. The dude squanders it and everything, and he comes back, you know, in what's modern society would say a screw-up, right? He comes back. But what does the father do? He, He just runs out to meet him. He's like, hey, he has his binoculars. Is that my boy? Dude, what the? And you see the older brother getting jealous here, like, what is wrong with you, Dad? You know, my old man's got a few screws loose. I looked up the word, the definition of prodigal in the dictionary, and this is what Google said. Prodigal means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. The son did that, didn't he? He spent foolishly? Yeah. Wastefully extravagant. Hmm. And look at number two. The, the second one is like, I love, having or giving something on a lavish scale. Who did that? The dad. It's not so much the son that was prodigal, it was the father that was prodigal. It didn't make sense. Tim, uh, Tim Keller wrote a book called Prodigal God. I've yet to read it, but again, the whole mindset of that, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, a father who loves me. Now, if, if I was the younger brother and I did just that, and I'm thinking many of you could put yourself in the position of the younger brother's shoes. You do, I mean, we all make foolish choices. We all have. We're human. That's part of being human, Right? We make foolish choices, we come back, and then we hate ourselves because of it. We feel awful. And then, it's like, how many of you in the room could see, well, if I did that, it would come back to my old man. It's like, my old man, some of you say, my old man won't even take me in at all. But, you know, my father might say, yeah. yeah, dude, you really goofed up. Tell you what, yeah, you can live here, but I'll tell you what, you're going to sleep in the basement on a cast iron mattress, okay? And if you earn enough money doing chores around the house, then um, uh, you, you take that money and I'll buy you a Fred Flintstone car and I'm not going to buy you shoes for your feet because your feet are going to get all blisters. When you, you see what I'm saying? That's the, that's the In our human life experience, many of us probably had a dad who would have a mentality of that. But uh, uh, contrast this in your heart, in your head. that You have a father, like you totally goof up. He's just like, I don't care whatever else. Yeah, I got business meetings. I don't give a, you know, and he just runs out and he just embraces the long lost boy that comes home. That's the father's heart. And that's the father's heart that he has for you and me. And I think about that, that that's the love that my Jesus has for me. My daddy has for me. We don't think of God that way. Our perception of God is all screwed up and mixed up. But that's the, that's the, the, it's a reckless love. It just doesn't make sense, but that's, God doesn't love us because of who we are. He loves us, that's because that's it's who He is. And so, any, 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 pers- any, God, any daddy that would love me that much, you know what? Of course, I'm gonna wanna sit in his lap and spend time with him. Not because I have to perform and put a check in the box, I did it, or read the Bible near, like that makes God happy. But instead, you know what? I wanna, I just wanna, knowing that my Abba has this much love for me, I wanna just sit in his lap and be quiet and listen to more of what he has to say. And, so, and I'm not going to pray, oh, God, help me be more like Jesus. Instead, I'm going to pray, God, help me to be more like myself. Now, some of you have a hard time hearing me saying that, but I'm gonna, let me explain. Help me be myself because you know what? If I can be the me that you created me to be, Lord, because, like, you made me unique, you made me, to every one of us exists to give him glory. Scripture makes that clear. But how I give him glory in my life is different than the way Ann gives God in her life. So, you know, it's all different. And we, we Christ followers, we project, oh, this is what a, a typical Christian should look like. And we kind of, like, project that image on others and, you know, and then we become Pharisaical, a.k.a. performers. that makes sense? But it's all about what's in the heart. Spending time together. How about for a healthy marriage? Husbands and wives need to spend time together, right? Sometimes it's playing a game after the kids go to bed. Maybe you binge watch Netflix. Sure, maybe you do other things. But the point is, right, it's for a healthy relationship, it takes time. And I've often, the Bible kind of describes like us and God, like God's love for us is like analogous to the love a husband has for his wife, right? But how many times are like, oh, we're unfaithful. You know, like, but the point I'm trying to make is that, it takes two to make, have a relationship, but when we but you know sometimes it's like you know what you could sit there with you know a spouse and not even say a word, but it's just like you're you're together and you're just being together. And that's more enriching than just kind of like some conversation about what are we gonna do next week and blah, 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 blah. yeah, those details will come. But we have a hard time of being. You see, when we pray, a lot of us still perform. Just make it one goal this week. Just strive to rest. Strive to rest, all right? We have two ears and one mouth, and you know what? I know I'm almost out of time, but I I know that a lot of us that grew up in church world, we, after the end of a prayer, we say what word? Amen. Anybody know what amen means? So, I agree, or so be it kind of thing, but when I was growing up as a kid, the word amen to me is kind of like, most kids think, oh, we done praying yet? Amen. Oh, yes, you know, let's see, you know, but it's like, it's almost like, well, prayer. if prayer is ongoing talk with God, the conversation's never supposed to end, is it? Isn't prayer, uh, isn't prayer a lifestyle? It's like a journey. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's not an event. And then, okay, I'm done. Okay, no, I'm done praying now. Okay, let's live my life. But you know what? As I'm going through there, and all of a sudden, if I walk in the calf and my kids are having a tantrum, like, it's like I might just say, oh, God, help me with this because I don't know what to do. You know, that's ongoing communication, and he'll show me what to do. I trust them. There have been some times I'm about to like lose my temper at like seven at night. You parents know that witching hours around five before dinner, right? And then, and then after dinner, they're kind of crazy, And then you're too, you don't want to put them to bed, but you got to go through that next rite of passage to get them ready to bed. You know, it's like, I get through this and yep, team, you know, the kind of thing. So, but even like during that time, it's like, you know, one time the kids were fussing, just like, you know what? And one, one time it's like, instead of me yelling, it's like, you know, God, I, your word says I can ask for grace any God, I need it right now. I don't feel like I deserve it, I but God, your word's just, I, I demanded the grace because scripture said I could. And it, it just came. And I, I wasn't in this like rightful prayer state and just we think we have to perform to get just to be with God. But that video we saw, don't perform, just be. All right? God loves you with a love that you can't even describe. Uh, one of my spiritual heroes is a man named Brennan Manning. I may have heard of him. He wrote a book called All is Grace. I strongly encourage you to get that book and read it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Brendan Manning, long story short, he was a priest for many years. And um, he found out one time that, you know, he was working in the, in the church rectory one, one night, and uh, he was washing dishes. There was a nun there, too. They were talking. And next thing you know, they both realized that, you know, that, you know, that setting was not really the place for the rest of their lives anymore. So they ended up getting married, and Brennan, Brennan had a gift of words, and just, he wrote so many books. He would go out, and he would preach like Jesus, and share Abba's love with thousands of people, and people would just totally change their lives. But then, at the very end of the day, you know, he taught, He struggled with alcoholism, day after day. He struggled so much, He's, he got drunk, he slept through his own, he, slept, he missed his own mom's funeral because of that. But no other man have I, in, in modern uh, 21st century have I ever seen talk about the love of God. He struggled, and he's open and honest about his struggles, but he knew he knew how much his Abba loved him. Didn't excuse, it didn't excuse the sin. right? But, but he knew that the love that God has for him, that my identity, my identity is not in what I do. It's not in the fact that I'm a parent, it's not in the fact that, blah blah, blah, blah. My true identity is in the fact that I'm Abba's child, and that he loves me. If we start seeing ourselves that way we'll have a lot easier time loving ourselves. But not only that, what, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Dave Meyers once said, we have a hard time loving ourselves. So how in the world can we love our neighbors if we don't love ourselves first? It's just not possible. Brennan Manning writes, the betrayals and infidelities in my life are way too numerous to count. I still cling. Many of us in here, I think, can feel this way. We still cling to the illusion that we got to be morally impeccable. Other people must be sinless. And the one I love must be without human weakness. But whenever I allow anything but tenderness and compassion to dictate my response to life, be it self-righteous anger, moralizing, defensiveness, the pressing need to change others, carping criticism, frustration at others' blindness, <laughs> a sense of spiritual superiority, a gnawing hunger of indication, whenever that takes over, I'm alienated from my true self. My identity as Abba's child becomes ambiguous, tentative, and really confused. One way of being in the world is the way of tenderness. Everything else is illusion, misperception, and falsehood. When you spend time with your Abba, when you strive to rest and strive to be with God alone, what it means to be, what was the scripture in that video? Be still. Be still. I, don't th- I I mean, when the last time any of us was truly still like that, probably years and years ago, if not even ever for some of us, but can we be still and know that he's God? I want to end quickly with a three-minute clip from Brennan, um, just so you can see, like...
1: In the 48 years since I was first ambushed by Jesus in a little chapel in the Allegheny Mountains of western Pennsylvania... And in literally the thousands of hours of prayer, meditation, silence, and solitude over those years, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus is going to ask each of us one question and only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? That I desired you? That I waited for you day after day? that I long to hear the sound of your voice. The real believers there will answer, yes, Jesus. I believe in your love, and I tried to shape my life as a response to it. But many of us who are so faithful in our ministry, in our practice, in our church going, are going to have to reply, well, frankly, no, sir. I I never really believed it. I mean I heard a, wonderful, a lot of wonderful sermons and teachings about it, in fact I gave quite a few myself. But I always thought that was just a way of speaking, a kindly lie, some Christians pious pat on the back to cheer me on, and there's the difference between the real believers and the nominal Christians that abound in our churches across the land. No one can measure like a believer the depth and the intensity of God's love, but at the same time, no one can measure like a believer the effectiveness of our gloom, pessimism, low self-esteem, self-hatred, and despair that block God's way to us. Do you see why it is so important to lay hold of this basic truth of our faith? Because you're only gonna be as big as your own concept of God. Remember the famous line of the French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, God made man in his own image, and man returned the compliment. We often make God in our own image, and he won't have to be as fussy, rude, narrow-minded, legalistic, judgmental, unforgiving, unloving as we are. In the past couple of three years, I have preached the gospel to the financial community in Wall Street, New York City, the airmen and Woman of the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, a thousand physicians in Nairobi, I've been in churches in Bangor, Maine, Miami, Chicago, St. Louis, Seattle, San Diego, and honest, the God of so many Christians I meet is a God who is too small for me because he is not the God of the word. He is not the God revealed by and in Jesus Christ who this moment comes right to your seat and says, I have a word for you. I know your whole life story. I know every skeleton in your closet. I know every moment of sin, shame, dishonesty, and degraded love that has darkened your past. Right now, I know your shallow faith, your feeble prayer life, your inconsistent discipleship. And my word is this. I dare you to trust that I love you just as you are and not as you should be, because you're never going
0: to be as you should be. Powerful, powerful words. And there's a YouTube video with him in that same sermon. It's like 40-something minutes long. I encourage you, if you get a chance to watch it, because it's totally like, wow, you know. Uh, we're going to pray, and uh, just because I, I was going to have us spend some quiet time, but it's, it is getting late. But um, um, one little thing, if, and this is, this is going to be hard for some of us to even try, but when we're, in a, when we're in an event like this, I know we say, amen, it's the end of the prayer. But if prayer is an ongoing talk with God... Maybe next time, next time you're, with, you're hanging out with Jesus, just just talk your ideas and your heart to him and don't say amen at the very end. It's psychologically going to be hard for some of us to do that. You know, time and a place, but just saying. Just a thought. Um, God, I, I thank you so much for uh, the, 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 uh, the, the humbling uh, honor and privilege to be up here, God, and just to share what I'm, what I'm learning, learning about you. Um, Lord, help us. Help us to uh, strive, to rest, to truly, truly work it, uh, blocking out time to hang out with you alone. And while we're there hanging out, not to put on a horse and pony show you know, with our words or with anything. Just sit there and look at the water. Sit there and, and just be, be still, and know that you're God, and that Abba, you love us, and that our identity is not in who is not in our family situation it's not in our job it's not in anything but your intense and crazy prodigal immense love for us god thank you we love you amen so if um i know jim is there people for prayer after is it like make that yeah if you you know if god's you know tugging at your heart you want to come up and pray with people here um the author's is open of course and um thanks for coming